Welcome to Canada's National Bible Hour. This is Brian Albrecht, your host and president of Mission Go. Today our text is from that great psalm, Psalm 119, verses 10-11, which say, With my whole heart I have I sought thee. With my whole heart have I sought thee. Oh, let me not wander from thy commandments. Thy word have I hid in mine heart, that I might not sin against thee. The Word of God is God's Word given to men. It's our map. It's our blueprint. It's the only way to live a godly life. It's the only way to have connection with God. It's the best way that He speaks to us. As we read God's Word, as we meditate on it, He speaks to our heart through that. Sometimes we see our own sinfulness. Sometimes we are encouraged to do something because of the words that we see on the printed page. And it's the Word of God that helps us to grow in grace and the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. We need to memorize the Word of God and carry it with us at all times. We need to pray and meditate upon His, upon His Word. And as we do that, He draws us close to, to Himself, and He speaks to our heart, and He helps us to walk with Him each day. What a great blessing the Word of God is. I found free grace and dying love, a newborn again. Been long time a talking about my trials here below. Free grace, free grace, free grace, sinner. Free grace, free grace, a newborn again. So glad, so glad I'm newborn again. Been long time a talking about my trials here below. I found my Lord has set me free. I'm newborn again. Been long time a talking about my trials here below. Free grace, free grace, free grace, sinner. Free grace, free grace, I'm newborn again. So glad, so glad I'm newborn again. Been long time a talking about my trials here below. Been long time a talking about my trials here below. This is a radio edition of Global Times. Today we have in our studio Jerry and Connie Robinson who are representatives of Global Outreach Mission in Western Canada. And Jerry, why don't you uh, tell us how, how you came to know Jesus Christ, your personal Savior? Well, Brian, my dad was a pastor of a church, and so we grew up in a church, and so we've always heard about it. And, you know, pastors' kids, they always are expected to be so good, and I just wasn't that type. And so no one had to tell me that I was a sinner. I remember one night above my bed, I had this little picture of the Lord Jesus bending down and picking up the lamb. And my mom went out and um, then I started calling for my mom and I said, Mom, I'm the lost lamb. And she came in and she led me to the Lord. But when she led me to the Lord, I had trouble praying. I said, I just can't pray. You know, she says, well, just tell God what you've told me. I said, I just can't do it. And you know, there's I think a little bit of struggle there. And as my mother prayed to uh, that God would just give me liberty to speak, I prayed the sinner's prayer. Tell me, how, how did the Lord lead you into missions and to doing the Lord's work? 
being that my dad was a pastor, um, we always had a lot of missionaries coming to our church, and, and I would sit close to the front row, and they would tell their stories of the Congo or Chad or wherever, and uh, we'd hear those stories. And my heart was gripped at a very early age about missions, and uh, my dad had an open pulpit, which was good because he let a lot of missionaries come in. And lots of times, you know, the, the board was afraid uh, they'd get all the money, you know, and all go to the missions. And my dad said, he said, that money wasn't supposed to be to church anyhow. And, and so we had lots of them. I remember one missionary gave me my first long tie instead of a bow tie. I had one of those bow ties that you pulled out and it snapped back. And another guy, Mel Slack, came in and he had been to a baseball game and he had caught a fall ball. and. He gave me the fall ball that he had caught at the Chicago game. And what does that do to a young guy? Well, it turns your heart towards missions. And so when I went off to Bible school, the first year I worked on road construction and I made twelve to $1,500 during the summertime. And that was a pile of money. I went to school at Berean Bible College in Calgary. And uh, it was a good school, good, very missionary minded school and they had a heart for missions. And the good thing about Brian was they gave us a lot of practical work. So it wasn't just learning out of the book. You learned to drive the car by driving the car and not reading the manual. So we had to go give our testimonies and had to sing and preach and whatever in the street meeting, out at street meetings or in churches. Or, and, and so that kind of gave us our start into missions. Connie, why don't you uh, tell us how you came to know Jesus Christ, your personal savior? Well, I was raised in a Christian home and my dad was the actually the principal of Berean Bible College in Calgary. So from very young, I had been taught all the truths of the gospel message. But I can't tell you specifically when I actually prayed to receive Christ. I remember different times asking the Lord Jesus to forgive my sin, but I can't really tell you which time it took, so to speak. <laughs> and it wasn't until later that I had assurance of salvation. In fact, I remember one time praying when my mother was washing my hair in the kitchen sink, and I don't know if I thought she was going to drown me or what, but <laughs> but my heart was very soft towards the Lord. I remember laying in bed sometimes at night and just crying, thinking of what it meant for Jesus to die on the cross for my sin. So I'm very thankful that then one day I understood that that I could have insurance of salvation and know that if I had prayed that prayer that he said I was his child. Praise the Lord. Being around Brian Bible College all those years, I guess uh, missions sort of just flowed through through your life. Is that how the Lord sort of called you into missions? And well, I had always thought of maybe doing something in the line of children's ministry. My mother had taught. Bible clubs in the school for years and years and years, as well as in Sunday school. So I had that background. But then in Bible school, when um, I began dating Jerry, I was impressed with Jerry's heart for the Lord and for wanting to reach people. And one of the big lessons I learned in Bible school was that it wasn't all about academics. It was about allowing God to use you and use the abilities that he'd given you and to take those and use them for him. And that's where it really counted. So as Jerry and I began working in a little chapel and then the second summer that Jerry was at Bible school, he went into children's ministry in Ontario and I'll let him tell that story because it was kind of interesting how he got there. Well, like I said, I had worked on road construction, made $1,200, $1,500 a month. And then we had a lady by the name of Betsy Thicker come to 
come out to the Bible school and speak about the lost gems of Toronto and Ontario that needed the gospel. And uh, she said, we're paying $10 a week for 10 weeks and we'll pay for your way out to Toronto. But I didn't go and talk to her until she stood up Sunday night and she said, I'm leaving right after supper. And she said, um, if you still want to talk to me, I'm still around. And the Lord says, now's your chance. And so I went and talked to her and she I had she had her suitcases in the hand, just ready to walk out the door. And she put them down and she said, and what's your name? And uh, she gave me an application, told me to pray about it. And the rest is history. And I went out there and they trained us and God began to use us. And that was the start of missions. Praise the Lord. What a good story. Thank you for uh, coming into our studio today and sharing those things with us. Thank you so much for listening to Canada's National Bible Hour. As you're aware, this is a listener-supported program, and we cannot continue to be on the air without the support of our faithful listeners and those who pray for us often. This month, we're offering a wonderful booklet entitled Prayer. I've uh, read a lot of books on prayer over my lifetime, and this pamphlet, I believe, is the best thing that I've seen on the subject. It covers so many different things. It covers the idea of the basics of how to pray, but more than that, it talks about does God hear all our prayers? Why is prayer important? What about unanswered prayers? What about when God says no? There are three things we need to know before we pray is that God cares for us, that God hears our prayers, and that you can pray with confidence. And I think this pamphlet will help you pray in confidence. I found myself as I was reading through this booklet because it has over a hundred prayer references. I was praying constantly because there were areas of my life that I've not been praying for or with or to. And uh, it really encouraged me to pray in a much broader spectrum than I have in the past. And I highly recommend this to you. Please write into our broadcast with the request to get the booklet on prayer. To order your copy, please write to Canada's National Bible Hour, Box 1210, St. Catharines, Ontario, L2R7A7, or in the United States at Box 2010, Buffalo, New York, 14231. I'm sure you'll be happy if you write in to get this booklet. It'll be a great blessing to you. Today's message is from Reverend Art Larson. Printed copies are available upon request. Most of us know about the Ten Commandments, but have you ever heard of the Eleventh Commandment? I want to talk about that today, but first of all, let me tell you something interesting. A man telephoned his wife from a pay telephone, and finishing his call, he said goodbye and replaced the receiver. As he was walking away, the phone rang. Thinking he owed more money, he lifted the receiver and heard the operator say, I thought you'd like to know, sir, just after you hung up, your wife said she loved you. Precious. But you know, whether you've hung up on God or not today, he says, I love you. He says, I know your problems. I can solve them. I know your needs. I can supply them. Just cast your care on me. I care for you and I love you. Have you experienced his love? Wouldn't you like to? 
it's interesting that love is so lacking today. If there was ever a day when love is needed to be prominent in our society, it's now. There's so much hatred and evil and bias and bigotry and revenge and selfishness, and I could go on and on. And then there's just uh, human love, which never goes far enough. What we need today is God's love shining out of a true Christian heart and life. And that true love, God's very love, has to begin in the life of every believer in Christ. Jesus said something in the New Testament, which is really very, very vital. John 13, verses 34 and 35, Jesus gave what I would like to call the 11th commandment. Jesus said, a new commandment I give unto you, that you love one another as I have loved you, that you also love one another. By this shall all men know that you are my disciples, if you have love one to another. Yes, this is not an option. It's the command of Jesus, and you'll find it all through the scriptures. Peter, Paul, John, James, Jude, they all write about it. And this morning, for our text, I want to share with you what Peter says about living in the last times or the last days. And I want to emphasize this 11th commandment of Jesus, which he undoubtedly refers to loving one another. I'm reading from 1 Peter chapter 4, verses 7 to 10. Verse 8 is the verse we're going to dwell on, but 1 Peter 4, 7 to 10. But the end of all things is at hand. Be ye therefore sober and watch unto prayer. Now verse 8. And above all things have fervent love among yourselves, for love shall cover the multitude of sins. Use hospitality one to another without grudging. As every man hath received the gift, even so minister the same one to another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. Yes, Peter is saying here that love is the very first thing of importance. And then he says something very interesting. He says this love will cover the multitude of sins. What in the world does that mean? We're going to talk about that in just a few moments, but now let's think for a minute. Very often in Christian work and church activities, this new commandment of Jesus is forgotten in the hurry, the excitement, the strain of duties and changing circumstances by the very people to whom it was given because Jesus was speaking to his own. When he said, love one another as I have loved you, and by this shall all men know that you are my disciples, if you have loved one to another. And uh, that love, someone has illustrated, is much like a plant. It will only grow and remain in health if it's cared for. The cultivation of our love for one another and for others is a personal responsibility. You see, you and I have to allow that love to absolutely possess and then flow through our lives. But what kind of love are we talking about here? Paul wrote about it too in a great love chapter, 1 Corinthians 13. He said, now abides faith, hope, love, these three, but the greatest of these is love. 
And then Peter says, above all things, have fervent love among yourselves. Now, in the King James translation, verse 8 of 1 Peter 4, the word charity is used. Above all things, have fervent charity among yourselves, for charity shall cover the multitude of sins. But the actual Greek word here is the word agape. It's used in the New Testament 29 times, and every instance where it occurs, it means God's love. Now, charity is an important thing, but a person can be charitable without having God's love in their heart, motivating or prompting it. On the other hand, I have known some very charitable people whose only motive was the very love of God, reaching out through them to give and to give and to give of themselves in love. Now, when we think of this word love, did you know there are three well-known Greek words for love? One is eris, one is phileo, and the other is agape. The word eris, used in Greek mythology as the god of love, used in classical Greek for love between the sexes, love of sweethearts, and so on. But it is never used in the New Testament translation. The other two are phileo and agape, and phileo is a broader word, generally used for love between friends, kindly, friendly affection, used for the love of parents for their children, children for their parents, and used to promote a, a good brotherly love feeling among uh, brothers and sisters in Christ in the fellowship of the church. But then agape Agape is used for the highest kind of love, all-absorbing, dominating one's whole being. And in 1 Corinthians 13, where it is found nine times, and here in this text where it is found twice, 1 Peter 4, 8, the word love here is agape love. That's God's very love. And it says that this kind of love is to be expressed among ourselves. Now, how in the world can a person express God's very love? Well, it only happens when they are born again. If you have never been born again and become a true Christian, you have never experienced, nor can you ever express God's love, agape love. Here's what it says in the Bible in Romans 5 and verse 5. It says, the love of God is shed abroad, that's agape love, is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Spirit given unto us. And that happens when we receive Christ. When we acknowledge we're sinners, repent of the sin, believe Jesus died on the cross for our sins, shed his blood to forgive us. When we turn from our sins and receive him into our hearts by faith and put our faith and trust in Christ, Christ alone and his finished work on Calvary, we are saved, we are cleansed, we are born again, and the Holy Spirit comes to dwell within us. And when he does, he sheds abroad in our hearts. He floods our hearts with the very love of God. And unless that happens, I repeat, you cannot experience or express that love. That's probably why so many people in churches today 
who claim to be Christians are hard to get along with. They have an unforgiving spirit. They often say, I'll forgive, but I'll never forget. They fight with one another. Why? Because they've never truly been born again. They're just constantly a bitter people. They do not have the love of God in their hearts. Maybe you better search your heart out today if you're that kind of person. Because no matter how much you profess, it's what comes out in your daily living that proves whether or not your profession of a Christian is really true and real. Now, what does it mean when it says in this text that this love, this agape love will cover multitude of sins, a multitude of sins? Now, how can that be? I want to share two things and explain what this means. Love, God's love, agape love, will cover another's sins by forgiving them, and love will cover another's sins by forgetting them. Now, what does it mean that we have the ability to cover another's sins or multitude of sins by forgiving them? Does it mean that a Christian has the power to say, that, that uh, another person is forgiven by God? Well, only on the basis of Scripture. But you see, what it means clearly is that no Christian has the power to atone for another person's sins. Only Jesus Christ did that on the cross of Calvary. And a person can only know the forgiveness of sins by coming to Christ, who says, I will forgive you of all your sins if you trust me. But what we're talking about here and what Peter's talking about is within the family of God or even the framework of a neighborhood or where you work or whatever, when another person sins against you, when they do something bad toward you, when they say something evil about you, when they are sinful toward you, Love will cover that person's sins toward you by your forgiving them. You see, Peter says, above all things, have fervent love among yourselves. This is so important. It's not an option. It's this 11th commandment. Jesus said, love one another. And so when you do that, it means that you say, I forgive you for what you did against me. Now, it's interesting how uh, people love to dwell upon the guilt of someone else. But you see, the Bible teaches clearly that that is not the answer. Uh, if you dwell upon the guilt of yourself, it will drive you to despair. If you dwell upon the guilt of someone else toward you, it will drive you to revenge. And God says, vengeance is mine. I will repay, saith the Lord. The Bible clearly teaches that we are to forgive as God for Christ's sake hath forgiven us, Ephesians 4.32. Somebody says, well, I'll forgive only if, if he or she forgives me, or I'll forgive, but uh, I'll never forget, or I'll forgive if so-and-so does this, this, that. That is not the way God forgives. Would you want God to forgive you like that? 
The Bible says in Ephesians 4.32, I repeat that we are to be tenderhearted, forgiving one another as God for Christ's sake hath forgiven us. How does he forgive us? He forgives us fully. He forgives us freely. He forgives us finally. He forgives us faithfully. Every time we sin, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Don't try to cover your own sins. Proverbs 28, 13 says, <laughs> you won't prosper. But if you have a forgiving spirit because the love of God flows out from you, you will be able to forgive another brother or sister, and that will cover the sins they've done against you. But the other side of that coin, and they go together, is that love will cover another sins by forgetting them. You see, the forgetting part is so vital because when you really forgive a person, you do forget that they ever said that or did that against you. And the measure of your love for God is clearly expressed by the measure of your forgiving and forgetting spirit toward others. Love is like a lubricant, and as you go around, you'll find squeaky people everywhere, squeaky saints, squeaky people who just constantly uh, uh, make life miserable for others. They squeak about everything, and you could go around with love, just like a little can of oil, and just drop a drop or so of love into people's hearts and lives by saying a kind, loving word, doing a kind, loving deed. I read about an interesting story uh, of a Christian mechanic who lost an expensive tool from his toolkit. Sometime later, recognized it in the kit of one of his fellow workmen. And he, being the only Christian in the shop, felt it incumbent upon him to show forgiveness. So after praying about it, he went to his fellow mechanic and said softly and kindly, I see you have one of my tools in your kit. You may keep it if you need it. He then dismissed the incident and forgot about his missing tool. But during the next few weeks, his fellow workmen tried in three different occasions to give him the value of the missing tool. Once he offered to give him another of equal value, and again by offering his services after hours, and finally by slipping money into the coat pocket of this man. The incident closed by the two men becoming close and lasting friends. The guilty man said, I couldn't stand being forgiven. Yes, true forgiveness always pays off because it is Christ-like. Above all things, have fervent love among yourselves, for love shall cover the multitude of sins by forgiving and by forgetting. Oh, if you want to promote and preserve peace and unity and love among your fellow church members and among your neighbors, adopt a loving attitude toward them. Let God's love flow out from you and through you. Forgive the sins that made you sad. Forget them, though they seem so bad, with God's love gushing from your heart. He'll give you grace for a brand new start. Yes, above all things, fervent love among each other covers the multitude of sins. And by this, Jesus said, all men will know that those who truly are Christians do belong to Jesus Christ. 
because they love one another. That's the key to revival in the church, the key to a transformation of life in this nation. Why not let it begin in you today? God bless you, my friend. I trust that the message you just heard will be a great blessing to you this next week. We are so thankful for your continuing listening and uh, encouragement in this ministry. Here at Cannes National Bible Hour, we're always concerned about the spiritual well-being of the people that actually listen to our broadcasts. But he thought about me, he loved me, he died for me, he rose again on the third day. The scriptures are really clear. It tells us that all of us have sinned and come short of the glory of God. There's not one of us who has committed even one sin in our life who can get into the presence of God. But the Lord Jesus Christ followed the will of the Father when he came to earth, lived a sinless life, died on a cross for your sins and for my sins. He paid a penalty that we could not pay. He took the hell that we deserve for our own sin and put it on his own body. He died and he rose on the third day. He's alive. And if we have a sincere prayer, if we really want to confess our sins and realize that he is the only savior in the world, we can put our faith and trust in him by praying a prayer, asking him to come into our life. Will be different because God will be in your life and will help you through the difficulties that you face. Remember to order your copy of the booklet on prayer. Write to Canada's National Bible Hour, Box 1210, St. Catharines, Ontario, L2R787, or in the United States at Box 2010, Buffalo, New York, 14231. And you can hear past broadcasts on our website at www.missiongo.org, M-I-S-S-I-O-N-G-O dot O-R-G. You can also find us on MGO Radio online. It's a 24-hour service with Christian music and messages. May the Lord bless you this next week.